The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, welcome to episode three of the Eco Right Speaks, a podcast produced by RepublicEN.org. I'm Chelsea Henderson, Director of Editorial Content at Republic EN, and you might know me from the Climate Week in Review email that lands in your inbox every Friday. If you don't, you should make sure that you sign up to get that email. It's really informative, and as we move along, we'll be talking about some of the news that highlights our week that makes it into our Week in Review. I'm really happy for this episode today to be joined by Nick Huey, who has been featured in our Week in Review plenty of times. He's my favorite Utahn and a member of our spokesperson team. But before I get to Nick, I wanted to take a minute to introduce our listeners to a vital member of the RepublicEN.org team, Jack Pleasance. Jack, welcome and thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Appreciate it. You are the newest member of the team, and it's safe to say that you're crushing it as our social media manager. Can you talk a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like? Yeah, totally. Uh, first of all, thank you. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a growth process and a learning curve for me, too. Um, and so hopefully, you know, as time goes on, we'll, we'll get better at it. Uh, and really, you know, find ways to engage folks in the in the most meaningful way possible for them, right? Ultimately, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about whoever's creating the content. It's about um, it's about the folks on the other on the other side, right? Whoever's watching it or absorbing sure. it and, yeah. and getting meaning out of it um, and value. Ultimately, that's the the, the hope is is that we're providing value. Um, and so, totally, yeah. I mean, it's been an, it's been an honor to be on the team, uh, even in this past. It's a little over a month now. Um, absolutely, absolutely amazing, uh, impression that I've gotten from the team itself. Um, it was a super warm welcome when I joined initially, uh, and, uh, many, many thanks again to yourself for that. Uh, but there was just like a sense of, of warmth, you know, it was like, a an immediate sort of, ah, you know, here we are, you know, it's like, uh, it's a kind of like a coming home feeling. So I, I appreciated, um, I appreciated that for sure. Uh, being new to the team. And then um, I've learned a lot since, even in this brief time, um, about, you know, not only the social side and where, where we're thinking about where we are right now and how, how we want to get where we're going, uh, but also um, just the organization and, uh, you know, the history of the organization, how far this movement has really come uh, since its initiation and since its conception, right? Uh, uh, now almost, what, what is it? I mean, you would know better than myself, but almost, almost a decade ago, right? Yeah, or, or, sure. or potentially yeah. more. And it was just like amazing to see this, this, this evolution over the years, uh, and really, um, Republican as a, a, having a, a, you know, a foundational role in essentially the creation of a brand new space, um, which is, uh, a place where, um, folks who are independent conservative, um, who might not typically have felt comfortable or confident or had the tools or equipment, you know, in their, in their, um, linguistic toolkit and the strategies and the sort of ways of thinking about approaching, uh, standing for, uh, climate action to, to do so and to do so in a way that's meaningful for them. Um, and that's, that's a really, really big deal. Like there's, there's almost no, <laughs> there's no way to overhype that, right? It's like, right, for sure. this, yeah. this is the first time, uh, basically ever 
uh, that um, that you know we can all come together uh, in this country in, in the United States and really agree on something found you know that's foundational to to who we are, which is you know let's protect the place uh, that, that enables us to thrive. And that, you know, um, ultimately is where, you know, our, our children will grow up, our grandchildren will grow up. Um, we want to protect, protect the place and the, and the natural resources and, uh, the, the, everything economically that that enables. Right. And so ultimately everything we do is a byproduct of, of this incredible land and this incredible, uh, you know, environment that we have around us. And so, just thinking about it as a, as a, as common sense as it is is really has really been a powerful thing for me, um, and so I really appreciate about that uh, that about uh, about joining the team and and hopefully channeling that into our social channels as well. Well, you definitely bring a fresh voice, and I think that having the youth angle on your side is really beneficial to us because you do you you must identify with being Gen Z, right? I think so. I think that's what they're calling us. Which yeah. I hope, I, <laughs> Zoomers. <laughs> Zoomers. I know. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> well, I, you know, that's I just saw a Pew poll today that said that, uh, and this is nothing new, but obviously the Gen Z and millennial generations of conservatives, it's a no brainer, right? To want to address climate change. And so you will bring that perspective to the rest of us older fogey types. <laughs> I think we span all the generations. Bob considers himself a boomer and I'm a Gen X and we have some millennials and now we have a Zoomer in our midst. But you bring that fresh perspective, but you also just your creativity is blows my mind. And just to let our listeners know, if you still have your Jeff Bridges webinar email you should go back and look at the graphic that jack did and seriously like 30 seconds we were on a staff call and we were we got the word that we had him on the schedule like 48 hours before it was go time and jack in like 30 seconds made this graphic and we were like that's perfect so just that you were able to move so fast and do something and if you are not on our email list or you did not participate in that webinar you can go to republicen.org and the um, the recording will be on there, but you will be able to see this graphic that Jack made. And, and I just love that ability to, you know, when you have a creative mind and you're able to tap into it and also produce something that's so great, I just think that's a special skill set. And it was something that we noticed in your inner, in your application, and it definitely put you head and shoulders above um, other folks who had applied for the job. So super glad oh, to have you here. Thank you. And I know you're I working on that. some fun projects, but what is what has been your favorite project so far? Great question. So um, I think personally that the podcast has been a really cool opportunity and it's a very top of mind right now, obviously, because we've been working on it uh, yourself and, and price putting in, I think the bulk of the, the, the work behind the scenes to make it all happen. But, um, just because it is, it is more top of mind and recent as far as our, as our, as our projects go. Um, it's a real opportunity to, to repurpose and package that content in, in many different ways. Right. So this is one of the, the things that I am really excited by is just the, 
anytime you have content, and this is why I'm always like, oh, did we get that recorded? Or did we, <laughs> right, let's make sure the on button is there, or the, you know, we, can we film this too, or whatever. Um, and the reason is because, you know, anytime, anytime you have a stockpile of content, you can, you can really repurpose it in many different ways and find those little nuggets, right, that people will appreciate. Because sometimes not everyone, I mean, I'm sure for the folks listening, uh, a lot of people uh, appreciate long form content, appreciate, oh, I can sit down for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is in the car and, you know, really take my time and enjoy this, this piece, um, you know, story from the start to the, to the end. And, and a lot of folks, you know, really appreciate that. But some folks, you know, my, myself actually included, I, I will admit, um, my attention span is, is <laughs> I guess this is maybe a trait of our generation too, the Gen Z thing, but uh, folks, you know, who are looking for those nuggets or looking for, you know, a way to extract the key, the key points really quickly. Uh, and so that's a, that's a project or a sort of uh, category of project that I'm really excited by, which is just like, Hey, let's, you know, take, take what we have and take what we can create and, and really be creative with ways of repackaging and delivering the most valuable, uh, the most valuable aspects of it possible to our, to our community. Well, it's such important work and it means that we have so many different ways of reaching people. And you started off by saying, you know, we we need to reach people where they're at. And so some people want to listen to a 40 minute podcast and some people want to read every link that I hyperlink to in a week in review and some people want yes. to see and your the... amazing writing oh thank you some Seriously. people want the tweet or they want the instagram story and so when we can really span all of those ways of delivering information then we just get our voice and our people out there the eco right community um, we spread the word farther and maybe we find new members of the eco right who didn't know that they want to be our best friends and now they do and so um, thank you so much for bringing your enthusiasm and your creative mind to Republic EN. And I appreciate you letting me take a moment to introduce you to our community. A hundred percent. Thanks so much, Chelsea. I'm super excited to, uh, to continue making as much forward progress as we can and uh, looking forward to all that's uh, to come. Well, sweet. Um, hold on, listeners. Coming up next, my conversation with Nick Huey, who is finishing up his degree at BYU when I read an article about his effort to unite arch rivals, his college, BYU, Brigham Young University, and Utah University. He had this plan that if he could bring them together on climate change, if they could find common ground literally on anything, then so too can the political parties. And he successfully pulled off this event. And I was so impressed with this news story that I read about his work that I cyberstalked him. And once we connected, I convinced him to join our team. In today's episode, he's going to talk about what motivates his push for climate action and the brilliance behind a term he coined, the far middle. So stay tuned for that. But first, we are new to the podcasting world, and man, we need your help. Please subscribe to the EcoWrite Speaks on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, something I've never heard of. Your subscription means the latest episode will appear on your device every Tuesday. You don't even have to think about it. And it also means that others can find us more easily. And if you're on Apple Podcasts like I am, please rate us. If you're feeling it, five stars would be amazing. And even a one-line review gives us an extra boost. So again, if you're feeling it, go ahead and let us know what you're thinking. And you will have all of our deepest appreciation. And now, our executive director, Bob Inglis, with an idea worth sharing. You know, climate change can be used as a pretty effective political wedge. In fact, 
Sadly, it's been used that way by some on the left. The question is whether they're ready to drop that wedge and make it so that we welcome people from the right into this conversation about solving climate change. If we do, America could come together and lead the world to a solution to climate change. But it starts with dropping that wedge. Maybe it's an idea worth sharing. So now back to the show and my conversation with Nick Huey. Today we are talking to Nick Huey, one of our esteemed spokespeople at RepublicEN.org. And I think it's fair to say, Nick, that fatherhood has really fueled your passion for tackling climate change. Um, yeah. We first met you, I mean, you were a new father at this time, but you made this amazing um, come together between BYU and UU, which I didn't know, but apparently are pretty big rivals. So um, found this common theme among the two schools, which is that you needed action, you support action on climate change. And you spearheaded that. And I remember reading the article about it and thinking, we have to get to know this guy. (laughs) So I would love it if you just spend a few minutes for our listeners who don't know the story, just to talk to them about where the idea was sparked, how it was putting it together and, and the aftermath. No, totally. Um, I think the idea was mostly sparked by frustration with Democrats and Republicans always fighting um, and not talking about the issues, but talking about the other person's stance on the issues rather than their own and just getting mad and kind of realized that, you know, no matter what it was we were talking about, we were never going to make any progress, be it climate change or gun control or health care or anything else. We were never going to make any progress because we hated each other too much. And if the other person came up with a good idea, the other side was going to say that's a terrible reason for A, B, and C, even though they would all be in for it if they had come up with it first. So we looked at, we, we said, okay, who hates each other as much as Democrats and Republicans hate each other? And we weren't sure uh, who that might be. Um, so we went ahead and at one time it just came to me, wait, we have these huge rivals to the north. Our colors are blue. Theirs are red. They're called the Utes. Um, we should totally see if they want to do something. So I reached out to their sustainability organization, their building, and just said, hey, I'm a student from BYU. with this really big Mormon school that's conservative in its roots, and you guys are super liberal. Is there anybody I could talk to there who would want to team up on climate change during rivalry week? Right during the week when the big BYU Utah football game is happening, and we are our hatred is at its climax, and um, they put me in touch with this super solid guy named Colin Green, most liberal guy you'll ever meet, um, but also pretty level-headed. You know, not like the media's portrayal of liberals, but just a, a level-headed but very liberal dude. And I told him my plan. He was a little bit doubtful, but he said, "Hey, let's try it." So we just got. What we did, he had a connection um, with a flower shop, and we went and got 3,000 purple flowers because purple is a mix of the blue and red colors, right? Purple flowers and dropped them off at the U um, to invite the U to team up with us during rivalry week for climate change. And we didn't really expect that much of it. We had seven or eight people from BYU come with us um, to drop these off, but I sent out press releases um, in case it interested them. And... I didn't hear anything from them, really. I sent out a follow-up press release. I still didn't hear anything from them. And then, you know, the 
morning of the big day, I remember getting a text at like, I think it was 4 a.m. And I was jittery because I was just nervous about the event. So I was up on and off all night. And that's the only reason. Probably you still wanted your football team to win, right? Yeah, I wanted my team to win. It was (laughs) was a very grudging, like, okay, we'll team up with you. We we still are disgusted by you, youth. (laughs) But, um, But, you know, the planet's bigger than rivalry. And so we should team up on that. But, yeah, we still want to beat you. Um, So we had made this video, and we had all of these small little business cards we were dropping off that led them to a a website um, called theclimatecampaign.com. And we dropped off all of these. We were getting ready to drop these flowers off the next day with this video inviting them to team up. And I got that text, and it was from a news reporter from ABC4. Uh, the local ABC outlet for Utah. And they're just like, hey, listen, we're up here. We're doing an interview at 530. I know it's last minute, but um, we're telling everybody what you guys are going to be doing. We'd love it if you could make it up here. And so I tapped my wife and just said, hey, I got to go. And she was like, what? And I was like, I got to go do an interview. And so then I got up and I drove all the way to the U and did an interview um, and started to get an inkling that it was going to have a little bit more um, momentum than I expected. And it turned out, that it was a really compelling story. It was more compelling even than the rivalry was um, because we were that the most controversial thing that we could do, the most pressworthy thing we could do was say, hey, let's team up, which is kind of ironic because everybody's just slamming each other in the press, and that's what gets all the press, so much so that when we radically teamed up, um, we wound up getting a lot more attention. And so then... We had the local Fox station come and KUTV and uh, and then a bunch of news reporters. And when we got up there, it was this big thing, and they were all taking pictures of us, and it was really fun. Um, but the big thing was we got a lot of positive uh, coverage. That site became first in Google rankings when you typed in the climate campaign because a lot of people were visiting it. And we are getting lots of emails from people that were just like, I love what you're doing. Please don't stop. And we had a few haters, but... The majority, the vast majority were like, no, this is something we should deal with. And a lot of Republican Utahns were like, yeah, we do not understand why this is politicized. Like, it's, it's absolutely dumb that it is, and we need to be coming to the table and figuring out what our solution would be. And I think so, Utah is a really yeah. interesting state that is kind of poised to be the, you know, quote unquote, red state leader on climate yeah. change. And a lot of it is, I would attribute to... I don't know, maybe you poked the bear a little bit or you brought to people's attention that, hey, yeah, we do care about this. It is ridiculous that because we have a certain letter next to our name or we identify with one party or or another one that we can't figure out how to come in the middle. And I'm sort of wondering if we should send purple flowers to Congress. Right? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because... They all, I would say that you could probably take 80% of them, and if you stripped away the fundraising and you stripped away their um, the party politics, you could find probably 80% who would say, here is a path forward on climate change. Yes. And that's yeah. where, fast forwarding, so Nick testified, for our listeners, um, before the Senate committee on the climate crisis i believe was the committee um in yep. this was that just last summer 2019 
think so, yeah. It feels yeah. like 5,000 years ago. It feels like ever ago, yeah. <laughs> that was a hearing, and I, and I felt like just the name of that hearing or the focus of that hearing was monumental because it was conservative leadership on climate change. But that was where Nick, yeah. for the very first time, used the phrase the far middle, and I just felt like a light bulb went off. So how did you come up with that term? Right. So um, it was just, I, I'm an advertiser. So I was toying with what's a quick, pithy way we can say something that people instantly understand, oh, coming together on climate change. And that was, we're not far left, we're not far right, we're far middle. Um, and it's been repeated. Actually, after I gave my speech, it was repeated by Andrew Yang, a, a Democrat, randomly started talking about not left, not right, forward. Um, same exact sentiment that's very, very powerful. Um, and I think that's exactly where we need to be on climate change is right in the middle, working together, bringing our conservative values to the table so that, you know, we don't grow the size of government um, so that the solutions are effective. But we are addressing the issue, which is that climate change is going to affect billions of lives. So how does it feel then when you see it, uh, a term like that being adopted and used elsewhere? Does it make you feel brilliant? <laughs> I, well, I think it was, I think it was simultaneous. I don't think it was, he, he saw it, he, he stole from my testimony and said, yeah, I'm going to put this in my campaign. <laughs> but I think it does represent a groundswell of movement that people really resonate with. Andrew Yang um, was the candidate I liked most on the Democratic side, um, simply because he was so far middle. He was all about coming up with solutions. He didn't play any political games. And he should never have made it past a month into his campaign. And yet he was one of the final six. Um, and it was just from grassroots support from people who were like, please, let's stop bashing each other and let's start talking about issues. He supports the carbon key dividend, by the way. Right, right. Actually, my son, um, some of his peers, you know, they're first time voters this cycle. And he said he had a lot of friends who were in the Yang gang. So yep, I, I was, can see that appeal, especially to new voters who are just getting into the game that they don't want to sort of fall into the old you have to be this, you have to be, I mean, that generation, they don't like labels, right? They never right. want labels. And so right. I think they really identified with that. You know, I cannot let this go, Nick, without bringing up your very raw emotional moment at that hearing, because to me, I was in the audience, I was crying too. So not to put you on the spot or embarrass you, but that was just to me, and I'm going to cry now, a really touching moment where you just kind of choked up talking about all of this. So what was at the heart of that emotion that you were feeling in that moment? It was, it was a mix of things. I'm a crier. I cry all the time. Um, I have allergies right now. It seems like I'm crying. I'm not. Um, but I do cry a lot when I'm feeling something very strongly. And that, at that point, it was two things. It was I was thinking about my kids and how I wanted the world to be safe for them. And that will make me cry anytime I even think about it. And the other was just like kind of a love for America and wanting America to be greater. Um, than it currently is being. And I really wanted to see us start working together again. I just see us as so broken. And it's so tragic to me that that we can't look across the aisle and say, these are good human beings who are doing their level best. Maybe they think a little bit differently, but they care about humanity, they care about the planet, and that's something we can work together on. Um, and that's that's one of the biggest things that I think we've lost in, in our community is that sense of unity that makes us strong, right? United we stand, divided we fall. I completely believe that. And I think we've totally forgotten it. So it's just so sad and frustrating to me that when I, when I think about it and when I'm looking at people who represent that divide, 
Um, I really just want to beg them, please, please bring us back together. Let's, let's not turn this into another partisan talking point. And I think you hit on something a few moments ago where you were talking about um, your friend or the, your contact you made um, with the Utes that he was, you know, the biggest liberal you would ever know. But mm -hmm. then when you actually met him, he was just a normal person, right, who had okay. has views that are different from yours. But there's this yeah. portrayal right now or this sense that this is what a conservative is and this is what a liberal is. And and it's not yeah. real, right? It's not. It's the, the media seeks out the one person in America who can, or maybe it's a dozen people in America that fit their stereotype of what a conservative is. It's particularly done, it, it's done on both sides. Fox News does it, CNN does it, both, all sides do it. And they'll pick out one extremist and then vilify them. And the right knows exactly what's going on. So they get mad and they say, you know what, screw you. That is how we'll act. We'll, we'll totally play that game, and you know what? We're still going to win elections, and they kind of do it. Um, but when you try to find that person, when I talk to my liberal grandpa, you know, who's an atheist and uh, as un-Mormon as you could ever, and, and unconservative as you could ever be, total socialist, well, he's a good man. He's a great man, and he has good ideas, and when I tell him my thoughts, he says, you know, I think that would be a good amendment to this policy that I support, even though it's a conservative thought. He's, he's pragmatic. You know, people are practical. They're not, ex most of them aren't extremists. It's just that the media and politicians are waging this ideological warfare that's tearing reason apart and making it so we can't do anything. We only have gridlock. We never have answers. We're all far middle. I'm telling you, we're all far middle. We are. It's the biggest party in America. It's just silent. Nobody is giving them the attention they deserve. And that's what I wanted to do with the BYU campaign. Um, I'm, I'm planning on running at some point and I'm totally going to, that's going to be part of my tagline is join the farm middle because I really believe Utah in particular is, is very farm middle. That's one cool thing about, about my state is it's one of the few, maybe it's not one of the few, but it's one of the few that I've seen where religion is more powerful than party. In a lot of states I've discovered that, when it comes to politics, their passion and fire for that outweighs their desire to know God. You know, if God came out and said, hey, you have to be a Democrat, they'd say, uh, no, sorry, I'm done. Um, but in Utah, it feels like the allegiance is really like to doing good and being honest and upright and virtuous. There's a huge emphasis on that that ha kind of forces them to be in this uh, reason-based place. I really enjoy it. That's interesting because when I was on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee back in the 90s, late 90s, mm -hmm. early 2000s, probably before you were born, um, my boss, well, my boss died, actually, Senator, late Senator John Chafee from Rhode Island, and it was really unexpected, and the chairmanship of the committee went to Senator Bob Smith from New Hampshire, and Senator Chafee had been more of kind of a moderate Republican. And he got that label because he was green, right? He did all these environmental things. He was chairman of this committee. And right. Bob Smith was considered more conservative. And so I just remember we were all given an opportunity to interview with him to keep our jobs. And I had been working on the Everglades um, restoration project for a while. And I thought, well, yeah. that's my thing. When I go and sit down and talk to him and his staff, if he's willing to get behind restoring the Everglades, 
then I will try to stay here. And if that doesn't sound like a worthwhile project for him or something he would consider a priority, then I'll go find a job somewhere else. And yeah. when I met with him and his people, I remember that that his reaction was he was very, very devoutly Catholic. And he uh -huh. said, you know, God made us stewards of this earth and it is our duty to take care of it. And that goes, you know, he was very pro protecting critters, um, the, you know, anything what? wildlife, anything uh -huh. lands related, ecosystem restoration. And so he was very for this Everglades project and it became kind of his signature thing. And, yep. you know, we've lost a little bit of that conserve and conservative. We've lost that part of the the stereotype, right? So I think yeah. people who are conservative can see that, right? The word conserve is literally in the word conservative, yeah. but it hasn't translated more recently, I don't think, except for what yeah. we try to do here with the eco right and and finding yeah. those spaces where it's safe, you know, where it feels like you have a community you can be for yeah. action on climate change and still identify as as conservative. Um, uh, that was beautiful. You'd never told me that story, but that's that's what I'm talking about. You know, like I, I I want that. I I think it is such a huge part of people's faith and taking care of the planet and creating our our portion of Eden here. You know, making it as heavenly as we possibly can. It's definitely part of my faith. Um, but I feel like it's been stolen. For, like that talking point's been stolen from me, and and I, I want to take it back. Take it back. Let's yeah. um, shift a little bit. I know you, obviously, you are one of our um, super volunteers, one of our spokespeople, but I know you also work a lot with the Citizens Climate Lobby, and I sort of see them as our cousins, um, you know, all trying to get this price on carbon. The advantages that I see CCL having is that they have a bill that they can rally around and they have the ability to um, lobby. That's not our expertise. Our expertise is is educating at the grassroots level and and we like to think we're kind of laying the foundation right so in utah yeah. for example we got to go on that great hike a few summers ago with john curtis um congressman john curtis but i think even before that that we were reaching out to him when he was mayor and just kind of laying the groundwork and now he's you know doing his climate chats on twitter and he seems like cool. kind yeah. of bought in right and yeah. so I would just love to get some perspectives from you on, you know, do you think we're we're making progress? Do you think on on this idea of convincing people that there should be a price on carbon? Do you think that have you seen in the years that you've been involved now um, an uptick in the level of support? And how important do you think it is to have somebody like a John Curtis be he hasn't really come out totally on uh, saying what he, what, you know, that he would support a carbon tax, what? but, um, but he's, I feel like he's, he's groomable. Well, I, I think more than groomable, he's, he grooms. I think he's grooming his voters. So he doesn't want to come out. He, he's being smart about it. He doesn't want to come out and say, you know, I support a carbon fee and dividend if his voters aren't going to keep him in office because then he's useless to us, right. you know, in, within the conservative climate movement. He's very savvy. He, uh, you know, biked to work every day as mayor. I think he really cares about the planet and taking care of it and sees the need. But his thing is, I, I have to represent my people. So if I can convince them to come around, I'll do it. But I am a representative of them. And if I don't represent their interests, they'll kick me out, and rightly so. So I think having him start slow and, you know, start. He, I love that he starts by saying, here, I think taking care of the land is important. What are your thoughts on how we can do that? Letting Twitter blow up with that 
It's a very positive way to do it. And lets people think and mull because the natural place you're going to land if you're conservative, I think, is either deregulating nuclear or a carbon fee dividend. And I'm totally in favor of either of those. I think they're absolutely amazing. Um, but I think he's letting them catch up to where he's at and and putting a little bit of leadership out there. So it's super important, not only for him, but for it's really allowed Mitt Romney to step out in the state. And him stepping out is going to allow other people to step out as well, hopefully. Mitt's, Mitt's different because he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he gets voted out of office in, in four years. I think he might be done. So, but, but John Curtis is in it for the long haul, and I think he's going about it very strategically. And, and really, he's going to provide a little umbrella for some other conservatives to step out. I think it's super important. I know when I was working on the Hill and uh, in my last job on the Hill for Senator John Warner from Virginia, who's now retired, we were trying to get co-sponsors for our climate change bill, which was, you know, the, it's kind of a bad word at Republic EN, but Captain Trade Bill. <laughs> and right. they, but they still let me be part of the team. <laughs> and we were trying to find co-sponsors, Republican co-sponsors. Well, right. I, there's part of me that wants to have a little debate that price on carbon and cap and trade are not exactly. They're pretty simple. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of let the genie out of the bottle with that bill in terms of taking the revenue and putting it to all of the, you know, sort of pet projects and that. And I remember my boss saying, hey, this really grows the government. And I don't know how comfortable I am with that. But, you know, the wheels were already, <laughs> we were full steam ahead. So, but I right. know when we were trying to find co-sponsors, we we didn't just get one, right? We got three who we told those three, here are the other two, and you should talk to those members. And they just wanted to hold hands and all kind of all come together. And I yeah. think that's something that is kind of important as we continue with this movement. And part of what we try to do at Republic EN is to show people you're not alone. So yeah. you might feel alone and you might not even be talking about climate change because you feel like the people around you will look at you a certain way if you do. But here is this community of people who all kind of fall somewhere in that far middle, right, on the ideological yeah. spectrum. And yeah. we all think that we need to take action on climate change. And it's okay. You can hold hands or not. You can jump in. But we're all here for each other. And I totally. think that what uh, Congressman Curtis is doing is really important. And, and what Senator Romney is doing, too. You know, there are different chambers and different voices and different procedures and so they're both important voices, and I'm just um, jealous that you get to live in a state that has that kind of representation. That's great. It's so fun. It's really, really fun. Um, no, I, I, and what you're saying about them feeling alone, they, they, may, they may feel alone, and they may be underrepresented in the media and even in Congress right now because the squeaky wheel gets the oil. But the goal of the far middle for me was to give them a voice that cuts through the noise because – I said it in my testimony, when everyone zigs, if you want attention, when everyone zigs, you zag. You go the opposite direction. And by being the radical voices of reason, I think the far middle will be able to find something they can really latch on to. And I really hope we start seeing politicians kind of take that up. What gives you hope that we will be successful in our efforts? Um, I think crises bring people together like nothing else. COVID has not done that, surprisingly. Um, but at the same time, that's a crisis we don't feel in the same way that we're going to be feeling climate change. I think climate change is going to be more like World War II levels of, of, of just catastrophe and migration, um, that kind of thing. It can spark its own wars. And you really saw the nation band together in that moment. The same thing happened, if you want to go smaller, with 9-11. Mm -hmm. 
I think the thing about climate change is it's so big and scary and the effects are so severe. As soon as we start seeing them, we're going to have to band together like never before. Um, I would say not only in America, but a lot of the world might band together just because if you give people a common enemy, they'll swing towards it. Um, that can be used to manipulate people, but it can also be used for humanity to um, accomplish some pretty great things. So that gives me a little bit of hope, but it's sad that it has to take that kind of tragedy and that kind of emergency for us to actually band together. And yeah. I was also kind of hoping a little that getting that, that the stimulus checks that went out would give people a feeling of needing to get a handle on either revenue raiser. So carbon tax cap and dividend and yep. where maybe that would be kind of the next natural thing. Okay. We Americans are still hurting their wallets. So, cap and then dividend, maybe there's some more appetite for it. Right. One of the biggest things when I went to office uh, with conservatives and talked to them about carbon fee and dividend was they were like, we don't trust the government to handle money and send it out to everybody. Like we don't think it'll happen. And the great part about this recent stimulus check is that is no longer an argument. You can't say that because we all have a bunch of checks with our names on them. Right. So I, that that is one very. If there's anything positive from this, I think that's a big one. Well, yeah. Nick Huey, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about the Far Middle and Utah and all the wonderful things you have done and are going to do. I just can't wait to see more of you and what happens in the next couple of years with your career. And so fun to see you too. I I love any chance, any excuse I have to get to talk is super fun. RepublicEN.org is the leading voice for climate action, and we want to hear from you. Now, let's continue with this week's episode. Well, Price, we did it again. (laughs) Yeah, episode three in the books. Chels, great job uh, again. And I I tell you one thing, it's, you know, having Jack Pleasance on the team who you had on, um, you know, the newest addition to our team in the first segment, what a breath of fresh air, the youth, the energy. Uh, I, I thought it was awesome where you guys were talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the generation label. Um, but, man, he's just brought so much. And, and obviously Nick Huey, the, the interview with him, you know, the emotion, the, just the, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And so I, I just thought it was awesome. But, you know, um, you know, Jack is, first of all, Jack, you know, welcome aboard to Jack Pleasance. You know, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, I know. You know, because he he actually he really has he, been like a great infusion of energy and and youth into our team. Not that we're all old and grizzled, but <laughs> he just does bring that different perspective. And I think him and Huey both. I mean, Nick also has that fresh, younger perspective, even though he's this guy who has a couple of kids and he's done so much in his young life already. He just also looks at things from a different a different perspective and. I enjoyed my conversation with him. He is so unafraid to just express himself and that comes in the tears and it comes in the passion and it's really inspiring to see that. Yeah, I not to take us off the rails, but you know, when you have kids, you you just look at things so much differently and I I know that's like stating the obvious for for our listeners right now who who do have kids, but you, you you just look at issues and um you know things that are happening around you in such a different light and you know listening him to him talk with you 
uh, going back and, and, and watching that testimony he gave before the you know Senate Select Committee, you know the the tears. You know, I I, I never was a crier <laughs> before I had kids. I mean, I was uh, you know wore my heart on my sleeve kind of thing, but I didn't have that kind of soft spot where I cry at the drop of a hat now. Movies and you know I watched oh, yeah. him give that testimony <laughs> like you. I I got into tears just to see when people <laughs> just put it out there in their passion. You know that I, I'm just moved by that every day by just so many different you know things that are going on. I mean, my kids mock me so often because we'll watch a movie and it could be something that we've seen a million times and I'll be crying and they just look at me now. They know it's coming. And they're like, really, mom, you mentioned Price Toy Story 3. Holy cow. I can't even think about that movie. And you know what? I can't throw away or donate even (laughs) an old toy because I just think about all of that movie and yes, being a parent definitely changes something in you. And I was always emotional. My mom would always make fun of me, but it something happens when you become a parent and Nick really has been able to take that emotion and turn it into action, which is what I find really admirable. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, speaking of that, the last couple of weeks, my, so my son's nine, uh, he's going to be 10 in the fall. And he has been kind of, we went through like a lot of folks during the, during the quarantine and in, in the lockdown, you know, we went through some spring cleaning and tried to get things cleaned out and get rid of things. But he went through a lot of his toys in his room and, you know, he had all this Imaginex. I don't know if you know what Imaginex toy, you know, like Batman and, and different things like that, that he didn't want anymore that he didn't play with. And I, I almost, I wanted to cry because my wife and I left it lined up in the hallway outside of his room for a couple weeks. And I don't think her and I never said anything. I said it to him because I was like, Ben, I don't want you to get rid of your Imaginex stuff. But, you know, I don't think my wife wanted to actually verbalize it, that she didn't want to go down the road of touching them and trying to take pictures and put them together to sell them. Uh, because it was kind of, it's kind of that moment where you're like, oh, you just don't want to let it go. It's like the end of an era or something. Um, Jack, who is now 18 and would probably die if he knew I was sharing this story. My Jack, not our team Jack. He had this stuffed kitty that he got when he was like one years old. And so it was just named Kitty. And it looked like our cat. And he slept with that thing. He also had this weird blanket that had a dog's head. And then the blanket came out and it had his name and his birth date that someone gave him when he was born. So he called it Ghost Dog because it didn't have like a dog's body. It just had the head and then like this triangle blanket. So Kitty and Ghost Dog, he slept with. <laughs> and then one day I was in his room cleaning up and I found Kitty and Ghost Dog in his closet, like just shoved in his closet. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. he doesn't want them on his bed anymore. But he also didn't want to throw them away, right? Or he didn't want to donate them. And so we've talked about it. We've joked about it since then. And there is that that point as you grow up. But anyway, we digress big time price. <laughs> Yeah. If you guys don't know him, get to know him. Go back, watch his testimony from the Senate Select Committee on the Climate Crisis that he did last summer. I was there in person, crying right along with him in the audience and uh, just get to know him. He's super smart and he's going places and we're going to be calling him Congressman Huey someday, Mm -hmm. I am sure. All right, if you haven't downloaded, uh, subscribed, uh, certainly please do that. Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, uh, uh, Spotify, 
uh, numerous Stitcher. There are numerous ways you can get it I'm on. I'm sure there are apps we don't even know about I, that you can listen to podcasts on. <laughs> to, oh, there's, there's thousands, you know, because who doesn't have a podcast now? Um, which is why we had to get with the program and start one. But give us a review while you're at Apple Podcasts, guys. If if you'd be so kind, uh, you know, g- give us a rating. You know, we'll take five stars, but whatever you want to give us, uh, We'd love to have it because it just makes it easier for you know people to find the podcasts that are interested in climate, eco right, energy type issues and news. And one and- thing that was new to me on that front was that even having that one line like, "Hey, great podcast! I loved listening or I loved hearing that." It can be simple. It doesn't have to be a yep. paragraph review. One line helps other listeners find us. It does something to the magic, right, and the logarithm to put it in front of other potential listeners. Yeah, just something simple. It just a very simple comment. But if it's just simply a, a rating, that's fine, too. Uh, I wanted to read a couple here just real quick. Uh, this person said, great episode. Uh, looking forward to future episodes. Um, talked about the Green New Deal. Um, they're actually currently 80 Democrats co-sponsoring legislation that is market-based and revenue neutral. Uh, somebody else wrote, uh, speaks with a broad voice. Uh, I'm someone who tends to fall left of center politically myself, and I can say that this show reaches across the political divide and speaks with insight and logic. They go on to write a little bit more, uh, but is, like they said, this show is not for one political ideology, but speaks to everyone. So, you know, those are just a couple uh, sampling of the comments that we got, uh, you know, in the last few days and want to thank everybody that has taken the time to write a comment. But if you haven't, um, give us give us a review. We would really appreciate it, Chels. But speaking of next week, what do we have coming up? So next week, we're talking to Alex Posner. He is one of the co-founders of Students for Carbon Dividends. He is also, we were talking about youth and enthusiasm and he represents that for sure, recent graduate of Yale, and really the brains behind going to the different political clubs at colleges and universities in the United States and asking like, hey, do you want to be part of this effort to create a groundswell of support for free market climate solutions? And so, you know, just getting that, you know, having those college Republicans especially really gives cover to lawmakers to want to take action. And, you know, these this is the next biggest generation of voters and therefore their voice is super important. So he and I have a great conversation and I'm super excited for y'all to listen. So be sure to tune in on Tuesday. Yeah, and finally, uh, Saturday, obviously, the 4th of July. We celebrate our nation's independence. I know it's in, in a little bit of a way it, it's hard to celebrate during the current, um, you know, pandemic, economic crisis, uh, everything that's going on, uh, you know, racial injustice, so much happening. So it feels like it, it is hard to, to celebrate a lot of things right now. But I do think it is important that we take that step back and, you know, give our chance, uh, give ourselves a chance to breathe and, and to celebrate freedom, because as we all know, our, our freedom is not free. Right. And I, and I think it's also a good time to reflect and to see that, you know, what our founding fathers did was not perfect by any stretch. And there have been struggles for centuries that you and I could never imagine. Yep. But here we are still a nation and we're wrestling with our problems today. And should we have wrestled with these problems a long time ago? Yes. But now we have the momentum to do it. And so whether that's coming up with a vaccine for the coronavirus, whether that is solving, you know, implementing some police reform, whatever the topic of the day is, climate change, I would put up there for sure. 
we have the resili resiliency and the determination and uh, we will get her done. So I just think it's a good time to stop and pause and reset and refocus and then keep going. I'm ever the optimist, Chelsea, and I believe uh, no matter how bad, how tough, how dire, how hard it is, we will emerge a better country, a stronger nation uh, on the other side of all of this. We will be better all around as a society. All right, Chelsea. Uh, Look, happy 4th of July to you and your, your family. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I hope everybody's in, enjoyed this episode. We'll, we'll see you again next week, Chels. All right. See you, Price. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at republicen.org. Make sure to visit republicen.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.